Hello and welcome to Nick's Nerd News. This is where you come to listen to breaking news when it comes to the nerd world. That means we have breaking video game news, movie news, and TV news. If you want to hear about the latest games, the latest movies, and everything else, stick around. Because here's your host, Nick, from a tiny studio in San Diego. My dudes, it is Wednesday, September 13th. Uh, do you want to hold a moment of silence for September 11th? What was, That was Monday. Of, of course, that was a very important day in American history, in the world's history. I want to honor all the people that, that gave their lives both on that day, uh, people that lost their lives on that day, and of course everything that followed with it. Uh, I remember that morning vividly. I know that's not something we talk about a lot on this podcast, but that is something that will forever be in my brain uh, that morning. And uh, especially after going to the the memorial in the museum a few years ago, it is something that will live with me forever. And and that's that's a powerful thing. Um, but I, I, I just, I wanted to give a shout out to those people and memorialize that before we got into the bulk of our show uh, which you guys know what you're here for week in week out uh, like I said it is September 13th it is a Wednesday as the huge here at Nixner News There's some good stuff we're going to talk about today how about that Ahsoka episode last night though that was that was wild um, you know some crazy stuff is going on in the gaming world the unity engine team decided to change up their pay structure, and boy, are developers not happy. That's for damn sure. Uh, Also, we got the unionization of Marvel's VFX staff. Almost unanimously have voted to join IATSE, which is a a big union. We'll talk about that today. Uh, And then, of course, due to the ongoing... WGA and SAG after strikes, uh, which which I do fully support, and I, I do not want to talk too much about new stuff. I know we do talk about Ahsoka, but try not to promote too much new stuff and, and talk about too much new stuff. Uh, we are going to continue our series on talking about movies from the past decades. We are still in the 80s. This week we have 80s teen movies. We'll be moving into the 90s in just a few weeks. we got two more Two more weeks of 80s after this. Uh, three three more weeks of 80s after this, excuse me. Uh, but 80s teen movies. I, I might have said teen comedies, but not, not all of these are comedy movies. That's for damn sure. 
So we'll talk about that in just a bit. And uh, let's get some other stuff out of the way, of course. Don't forget to check out nicksnerdnews.com. You guys can listen to the show right in the browser if you like. Or listen to us on the go. There's links to our Spotify page, our Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. I think we're on uh, Odyssey. We're on... I think we're just about everywhere. Hell, you can listen to the podcast on TikTok now. That's that's wild, right? So, a lot going on. A lot of fun happening. Uh, don't forget to check out our social media as well. Follow Nickster News on Threads, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, follow me on TikTok, the Nick DeFalco. Uh, that's where you can listen to the show. That's where you'll see all my TikTok posts. Uh, I'm not setting up a second TikTok channel. That's that's not necessary. But <laughs> uh, you guys can follow me there. Links are all over the place. I am on just about every social platform. I want to get you guys the news, the nerd news. Uh, with that being said, let's head on into the news. All right, we're back. Let's talk about video game news, because that's what we're always talking about first, right? I mean, I've set a precedent for this show, and I know you guys want to uh, not be surprised when, when you start listening, right? So we're sticking to the formula here. We're not, we're not diverging. We're not breaking away from that. So, Gamescom was, what, two weeks ago now? Well, rumors are starting to pop up that Nintendo had actual Switch 2, or whatever they're going to call it, the next console, uh, whatever Nintendo's going to make next, they had actual new dev kits at Gamescom that they were showing behind-closed-doors demos on. And from some of these reports, granted, some of these are unverified, we don't don't know for sure. Uh, I like how IGN reports it, like they weren't in some of these fucking meetings um <laughs> uh no 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 but anyway they are reporting that they had it had graphics comparable to series x and ps5 which just tells me that nintendo's down a gen again right like <laughs> no i mean realistically it's coming out three years later but it's going to be more comparable which is a good thing uh, hopefully it'll be more powerful. Hopefully maybe a bigger screen. Maybe it'll be a traditional console. Maybe it'll still be a a, um, a hybrid, right? Handheld and and home console. Uh, the other rumors are that they're going to change up the cartridge style, but it will be backwards compatible. So we'll we'll see what happens ultimately. But it the idea of a Switch successor, Switch Two, like I said, whatever you want to call it. Those rumors are starting to ramp up, and the the reality of it is is starting to become more real, uh, for lack of a better phrase, in terms of that. Square Enix uh, has announced they have no plans to make Final Fantasy XIV free-to-play, uh, as they continue to update it and add more features, and a lot of it already is technically free-to-play after you purchase the game. 
Uh, I know that's disheartening to quite a lot of people. They were expecting this game to eventually go free-to-play. It is an MMO. A lot of MMOs have gone free-to-play. I mean, there are still paid aspects to some of them, a lot of them. But um, they have no plans to make it fully free-to-play. Um, and this was via Eurogamer, who di- game director Naoki Yoshida made clear Um while they, they will expand the free trial, the whole game itself will not be free to play. We've also learned, uh, with Gamescom just ending in E3, well, not E3 a couple of week, months ago, E3 2024 will not be held at the Los Angeles Convention Center. That is right. As of right now, E3 does not have a home. Nor does it in 2025. Does that mean E3 is really dead? Probably not, because somehow... E3 is like uh, Will Ferrell's character in in uh, uh, Austin Powers. Like, he keeps not dying, despite every attempt to kill it. Kill him. I'm, I'm not dead. I'm here. Just, my leg is broken. You shot me. Ah! Like... <laughs> I think, what is Mustafa is his name? It, it, <laughs> E3 is the Mustafa of the Austin Powers movies. It just, every time you try to kill it, it just, it won't die. And it needs to be reborn anew. So we finally got an idea of what Charles Martinet will be doing as, as the uh, uh, Mario ambassador for Nintendo. A new video came out that features both him and Shigeru Miyamoto. And essentially, it just talks about him going out, meeting the fans, interacting with fans, and and just literally just being a Nintendo ambassador. Um, it, it's really not more than anyone realized or thought. Really, if you thought it was more, I've, you might have been mistaken. But it's realistically, it's, he's just going to go on tour for Nintendo and interact with fans, which is which is that's fine. It kind of lame, but it's it's fine. Uh, Shigeru even gave like a heartfelt like goodbye essentially to Martinet um, thanking him for all the years he's been Mario since Mario 64 things like that it's very heartfelt Valve has announced uh, they are creating a new dev tool that will allow developers to show if their games support PlayStation controllers both the DualShock 4 or the DualSense so it'll be easier for you to to determine what games to buy when uh, when you're factoring that in uh cup of noodle or cup noodles which i never realized didn't have cup or an a in the middle has announced a new version of their ramen for japan gamer noodles or gaming cup noodle and it features like a rgb style front or or container if you will that's the vessel i would i would call it um and (laughs) <laughs> it's for Japan only. It is an RGB rainbow colored packaging. It will be available in garlic and black pepper yakisoba in Japan starting on the 18th of September. And it will actually be caffeinated. And they're soup free. So, caffeinated noodles, soup free. Uh, that's kind of gross, man. Um, but it's uh, it's for those Japanese gamers. If you need to stay up late and Knock out a gaming sesh. 
Mortal Kombat 1, which uh, comes out on Friday, finish him, will finally feature Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, Ed Boon was recently on Hot Ones, and I, I know, of all people to be on Hot Ones, it was Ed Boon, creator of, of uh, Mortal Kombat, or co-creator of Mortal Kombat, was on the, there to be interviewed, promote the game. Obviously, they can't have actors and actresses on there promoting movies and stuff, so bring in the game devs. I like it. Well, they talked about an actor they always wanted to get in the games or an action star because they've had so many crossovers, and it was Jean-Claude Van Damme ever since the first game. Because the original game, if you didn't know, was supposed to be called Jean-Claude or Van Damme the game. Obviously, some things didn't work out. Well, there will officially be a... Uh, skin for uh, so will be a, a skin for Johnny Cage and Jean Claude Van Damme will voice him and he looks to be wearing like the same outfit he wore in Bloodsport which ultimately inspired Johnny Cage let's let's be honest so it's 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 perfect 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 for that um uh, so how about this you guys know Let's Play videos they're on. They're on just about every social media platform at this point. They're on TikTok. They're on YouTube. They're on... They're, they're everywhere, right? Well, a man in Japan has been jailed over monetizing Let's Play videos. Based off a new law that was passed in Japan, uh, apparently this is illegal. Um, he's been sentenced to two years in prison and fined one million yuan, or yen, excuse me, which is around $6,800 U.S. dollars, uh, for monetizing gameplay videos on YouTube. Uh, via uh, Asahi Shimbum, and translated by The Verge, uh, a 53-year-old Shinobu Yoshida was convicted and uh, for violating copyright law. Uh, this is via IGN. This is the first conviction of its kind, uh, and Yoshida had uploaded gameplay videos of the visual novel Stein's Gate, My Darling's Embrace, um, and then other videos summarizing episodes of Stein's Gate, as well as Spy X Family anime shows. By monetizing them, um, to, which means earning revenue, that's what violated the law. So apparently you are not allowed to make money on copyrighted material via the Japanese Anti-Piracy Trade Group Content Overseas Distribution Association, or CODA, um, because it was a, this is what they say, quote, malicious case of posting videos containing content and endings without permission from the rights holders and unfairly gaining advertising revenue through copyright infringement, unquote. That's, <laughs> if a law like that was ever po passed here in the U.S., YouTube would be shut down. I would be shut down. Uh, uh, TikTok would be shut down. Like, so much content would be scrubbed off the face of the earth. Um, the fact that they call it malicious, though, is wild to me. The dude's not being malicious. He's just sharing, like, a recap. Oh, my God. That is wild, man. That is wild to me. Insane. Moving on. One of the key designers... Uh, for Fortnite, is retiring from Epic. Uh, Donald Mustard, who has worked with uh, 
uh, who now who worked for with Epic for a very long time, has um, oh, has uh, uh, has decided to retire. He will be replaced by Charlie Wen as the chief creative officer, um, which means they are the main architect of Fortnite and several other games. Uh, but Mustard has been the one who is leading, who's been leading Fortnite for. A, a long time, essentially since its inception, since its beginning. Um, in his official statement, he said, quote, After an incredible adventure, I will be retiring from my role as Chief Creative Officer at Epic this month. I have enjoyed nearly 25 years in the game industry, collaborating with some of the most talented people ever, and I'm so proud of what we have made together. Um, hold on. From... I lost it here. Made together. From the ambitious Advent Rising... Oh, to the start of Chair, where we created Undertow, Shadow Complex, and the Infinity Blade Trilogy. To the honor of our tiny team becoming part of Epic, each new chapter allowed me to accomplish something new and original. I'm especially proud of the opportunity I've had to help create and shape Fortnite. I'm humbled to have been part of the team and every day tries to bring joy and delight to the Fortnite community. We love watching you experience every moment, leaping from Battle Bus for the very first time, seeing the rocket crack open the sky, dancing with friends after a victory royale, being sucked into a black hole, or being washed out to sea as the island flipped over, and on and on. I can't wait now to share in the future of Fortnite as a player along all, alongside all of you. The teams are in the best hands, and they are working on huge, jaw-dropping, amazing things. I'm excited to spend time with my wife and family, and forever grateful to Tim Sweeney Epic and the Epic Games family. Unquote. Uh, that's what he posted on X, formerly known as Twitter. So he had founded Chair Entertainment, um, which released Undertow, and uh, then was acquired by Epic Games in 2008. Uh, they created Shadow Complex, um, and then Infinity Blade Trilogy for, for mobile, and of course, like I said, uh, was uh, Advent Rising, which is a wild game if you've never played it. Uh, the man taking over, Charlie Wen, was formally the visual development supervisor at Marvel, working on Thor, Captain America, the first Avenger, and the Avengers. Which is uh, it's a crazy to go from, from movie making to, to game making. But, if anything, it might steer Epic in the right direction. So, Bethesda has announced Starfield, of, of course, is out in the wild, fully playable. Official mod support will be released in 2024. Yes, obviously, many gamers have taken mod, had taken modding into their own hands. Uh, it will get official mod support next year, according to Todd Howard, speaking to Famitsu, translated by IGN. Uh, no official date, but the creation kit, um, which is also available for Fallout 4 and Elder Scrolls, will be uh, probably the, the way it will be delivered. Um... Todd Howard did say, quote, once mods are supported, you'll be able to do almost anything, just like in our previous games. Mod support will be available next year, and we love mods too, so we'll go all in, unquote. So, obviously, if you haven't seen, there's already Nightmare Fuel mods on the interwebs as well. Along with that, Bethesda did announce that uh, DLSS support is coming, an eat button for food. <laughs> Uh, and, and quite a bit more in a blog post. They said a s small hotfix has already been released. 
Um, but there will be a regular interval of updates as well as top community requested features implemented into the game. Uh, like I said, DLS support for PC, um, eat button for food, because you can't really eat it right on the, on the, in the, in the game. You have to like open up your inventory. Um, Brightness and contrast controls, HD calibration menu, field of view slider, uh, 32.9 ultra-wide monitor support, and the eat button, like I said. They're also working with uh, several, like they're working with AMD and NVIDIA for and Intel on driver support, things like that, uh, as it's apparently it's not running well on NVIDIA right now, uh, but I think that hotfix is incoming. So that is what's going on right now with Starfield. We'll we'll talk about my expanded thoughts uh, before we switch on to what's going on in Hollywood. Uh, Steam has announced that some of its oldest accounts, and when I say oldest accounts, that means people have been on Steam for 20 years. 20 years they've been on Steam. They will get special digital badges to display on their accounts showing that they've been on Steam for 20 years, which is a wild, wild stat to me. Uh, it, that's that's insane that they've been on that long. Cool. Good for them, though. Don't get me wrong. Good for them. Um, I think I've only been on Steam for like five or six years. No, probably longer. Let's be realistic. I've been on Steam for probably close to ten. It's been so long, I don't even know. Um, let's look at my profile. How long have I been on Steam? I was apparently last online 753 days ago. That's not true, because I've been playing games. I just appear offline. <laughs> um, that's that's funny that I have not appeared on there. Level 10, I don't know what that means. I don't know what level means. Um, where, where's my... Uh, do, 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 do. I don't know when I first joined Steam. There's there's no... Um, there's no there's no thing on here. Hold on, let me look. All right, so at least ten years. That's the last time I booted up Portal, and apparently I've uh, played not played some games in like four years, which is wild to me as well. Um, I thought I played them more recently. Anyway, wow, I'm, I'm halfway there on Steam. <laughs> um, at least twelve, eleven years actually. Twenty twelve was the last time I played Portal on Steam. Game makes me sick. Just gonna address that there. Um, so we've been talking about Nintendo and about the potential for whatever this new console might be. A new patent was spotted that Nintendo had filed, and it looks as if it might address the Switch's initial biggest problem, which was joystick drift. Uh, this new patent, which will have magnetic analog sticks... Uh, makes people think that it will help uh, with Nintendo's major stick drift issue that they had on the initial launch of the Switch. Uh, shift focus back to Steam and Starfield real quick. Starfield has officially overtaken the Elder Scrolls V Skyrim all-time concurrent player records on Steam uh, after the full launch via SteamDB. Starfield had hit 27th place in the all-time list, uh, with Skyrim dropping to 31st. 
Starfield hit a peak of 330,000 concurrent players on September 10th. Skyrim's record peaked 12 years ago at 287,411. Fallout 4, though, still sits in 16th place with 472,962,000 concurrent players at one time. Obviously, it has been out a lot longer, but Starfield hasn't hit that level just yet. Um, Six million players overall, one million concurrence on launch day, and you got to remember a lot of people might be playing on Game Pass and not necessarily Steam, and that includes PC Game Pass. Uh, Life is Strange is going to be the next com the next video game to get a comic book continuation slash adaptation uh, has been announced by the team and developers behind the Life is Strange franchise. A new comic book adaptation will be coming out, uh, which will tell a new story in the Life is Strange universe. Also, tomorrow, two big game developer news, or game develop not game developer news, new game announcement news, I guess you could say. Uh, Nintendo will be having a direct, uh, which should be around 7 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, will feature at least 40 games upcoming for the Switch. Uh, no word on if they're all new or previously announced or a combination of the two, which is the most likely. And Sony announced that they will be having a state of play tomorrow afternoon that will spotlight indie games and third-party games. So two big game announcement shows taking place tomorrow from two of the big three. Uh, Square Enix, we have learned, has lost $2 billion worth of valuation um, since the uh, release of Final Fantasy XVI, which, (laughs) that's a wild thing to say. Um, And... Since the launch of Final Fantasy 16 in June, Square Enix has lost, like I said, $2 billion in value. And it will, a, a report saying that it will be hard for the company to potentially recover from that. Shares have plummeted nearly 30% since it came out. Um, and it, they're at their lowest point since May of last year. Uh, so Final Fantasy 16 sold a total of 3 million copies in its launch week. And. A lot of people uh, were debating online about if that had met internal sales targets or not. So they had slowed considerably since the launch, but it's not a disaster as of yet, per internal sources reported by IGN. Uh, Bloomberg, however, painted a bleaker picture. Uh, Sharp profit declines in August, and because of the poor performance of Avengers and Forspoken, as well as a lot of shutdowns on mobile games, Square or Final Fantasy 16 was not able to recoup a lot of those losses. Um, also via Bloomberg, producers were given full reign over the scope and direction of projects. Um, and, you know, sometimes when you get full reign, you get a lot of uh, unmet goals or shifting goals or things that can turn into a, a pipe dream, realistically. Square Enix, of course, has a new CEO. They want to focus more on big-budget games and cut down on, on smaller, uh, low, lower-budget or smaller-scale games. And um, 
they're working on rebuilding development practices. So we'll see if the new CEO can turn the ship around, and let's see what happens when the Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two releases sometime next year. Microsoft has announced a new Xbox credit card in partnership with Barclays. Uh, it will be a MasterCard. It will have no annual fee. It will be exclusively available to Xbox insiders in the continental United States, Alaska, and Hawaii starting on September 21st. Via Xbox Wire, cardholders can earn points for every dollar they spend on purchases. Uh, if you buy particu- eligible products on Microsoft Store, you'll get a five-time amount of points. And if you spend money on streaming services like Netflix or Disney+, Plus, you'll get three times the points. Also, eligible dining delivery services such as Grubhub and DoorDash provide three times points as well. Everything else will be the standard 1x rate. Um, Other benefits include a 5,000 card point bonus and three months of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate for new members. After a first purchase, existing members can gift their Game Pass perk to another friend. There will be five different designs to choose from for the card you can personalize with your gamertag. It will be available, like I said, first for Xbox Insiders and Waves, and then in 2024 available to all Xbox players in the United States. Um, It does have like a 29% APR rate, so just be aware of that. If you don't pay on time, you're going to have a big, fun annual percentage rate, which is the uh, uh, interest rate on your credit card. So just be aware of that. This is interesting because PlayStation also has a similar one where you can use points to earn PlayStation rewards and stuff like that. So the two big game companies are are releasing credit cards. I wonder if uh, Nintendo is going to get a a Diner's Club card. (laughs) No, because I think think the PlayStation card is a Visa. This one's a MasterCard. I think uh, who's left, right? It's... American Express, the Nintendo American Express card. I can get behind that. But as cool as this sounds, I'm not I'm not partaking. I don't need credit cards anymore, and uh, especially not one with a rate of 29%. Um, but no, go off, do your thing, man. If you want, I get it. You got to build credit, stuff like that, and you want to have a cool credit card, an Xbox One is definitely one, or even a PlayStation One. So... X Defiant, which was going to be the new Battle Royale game from Ubisoft, has uh, been delayed majorly as it has failed to get certification from PlayStation or Xbox, which is not something we hear often. Uh, It happens all the time, but it's not something that really gets announced uh, regularly or anything like that. Um... So, via an update from Mark Rubin, stated that Ubisoft has started the certification process for X Defiant. Uh, They had started it back in July, because they wanted to release the game in August. Uh, But because of other issues, it was denied certification. Um, It hopes to do so in the next few weeks, to have the game out by October. But, there's no guarantee that it will get it. Um meaning that major day one patches will be needed for a potential release for it to be certified uh, on the two major platforms. That is a free-to-play shooter uh, coming from Ubisoft. 
Uh, it's been announced that NBA 2K24 has become the second worst-reviewed Steam game of all time. Uh, it was recently released on PC, and uh, PC players are not happy. It is a new port of the yearly NBA sim developed by 2K Games and Visual Concepts and uh, has an overwhelmingly negative review score. So, apparently the biggest complaints are that it is not on par with current-gen systems, um, and it is filled with cheating, no cross-play, things like that, which has made PC gamers not happy. Um, (laughs) I I just... uh, People are not happy that they can't make the PC game well. You, IGN has a lot of the different reviews, but uh, the fact that it's the second worst reviewed game on Steam of all time is a wild, wild stat. Uh, at the top of the hour, we talked about one of the biggest, if not the biggest, game news of the last few weeks, and that is in regards to the Unity engine. So, Unity, which is one of, uh, was a, a, I think it was free, I've downloaded it once or twice. Unity is a game engine similar to that of of Unreal 5. And um, they've announced the Unity runtime fee. It is a new pricing model that will apply to developers who reach a certain amount of installs and revenue. So it doesn't happen right away. um, But after a certain point, they have to pay these fees. Via Unity, it says, quote, We are introducing a Unity runtime fee that is based upon each time a qualifying game is downloaded by an end user. We chose this because each runtime game is a downloaded. Each time a game is downloaded, the Unity runtime is also installed. Also, we believe that an initial install-based fee allows creators to keep the ongoing financial gains from player engagement, unlike a revenue share. Unquote. So this will take place on January first, twenty twenty-four. Unity has already walked back some of the aspects of this fee uh, amid escalating anger from developers. Uh, Via Axios, the fee will now only apply to the initial installation of a game and that developers are not on the hook for installations through Game Pass. Uh, Fees instead being passed to platform holders like Xbox. Demos will not be affected unless they are part of a demo that includes the full game. Games offered in charity bundles will be exempt from fees. Unity executive Mark Witten Claims only 10% of developers will be impacted by said fees. Um, In their blog post, they said that the only time these fees will be instituted is the game has passed a minimum revenue threshold in the last 12 months, and the game has passed a minimum lifetime install count. Um, It's... So this is what would happen. So, different thresholds for developers using Unity Personal... Plus, Pro, or Enterprise. Small indie developers who use per- Unity Personal, Unity Plus, they have to pay $20 per, 20, excuse me, 20 cents per install once the game passes $200,000 in revenue over the last 12 months and 200,000 life-to-date installs. Uh, this is the one that's pissed off the people the most. So, a lot of, a lot of people are not happy about this because, um... A lot of companies use the Unity engine for freemium games. A lot of mobile games use Unity. Um, So a free-to-play game, if it passes $200,000 in the last 12 months, but has millions of people installing it, 
the the developer could end up owing Unity um, a, a fuck ton of money. Let's let's be realistic, right? Um, it could hurt smaller developers um, and pull from storefronts. We've already seen that Among Us has been temporarily temporarily pulled because Among Us is built in the Unity engine. Um, <laughs> the develop uh, Forest from Among Us. Inter, at inter, uh, the developer Intersloth said, quote, I bet Steam, Epic, Sony, Nintendo, and Microsoft will love having waves of developers pulling their games. Intersloth has always paid Unity appropriately for licenses and services we use. I'm not a discourse guy, but this is undue and will force my hand, unquote, he posted on Twitter. Um, other developers have also uh, voiced their frustrations. Um going in deeper and things like that. So, like I said, a lot of games could be affected. Among Us has already been pulled. Um, it's just, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what could happen. Other games like Cult of the Lamb and Massive Monster are other games. Cuphead, Genshin Impact, Ori in the Blind Forest, Beat Saber, Pokemon Go. Those also use the Unity engine. So we'll see if any of those games get pulled temporarily from stores so developers might not have to pay massive, massive fees to Unity. Um, that's wild, man. That is a wild, wild turn of events. Crazy. And in other wild turns of events, the Pokemon Company and the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam, have announced a new collaboration that will start September 28th. Not a lot has been shown or teased or announced other than uh, some kind of like teaser trailer with Pikachu and Eevee running through a sunflower field, um, which turns into a Van Gogh-style painting. And uh, a, a, a post-impressionist painting of Sunflora, which... <laughs> wow. Um, of all things, Van Gogh, man. Van Gogh and Pokemon? The man's been dead for almost a hundred years. Like, can we can we cut some some give some rest to this man? I look, if Van Gogh was still alive, I can understand a a, a like a team up. Obviously Van Gogh wasn't as famous when he was alive, as he's become since his death, but it 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 it's I, what what's going on over there, Amsterdam, huh? What are you guys doing? Well, we'll we'll learn more. Uh, we'll learn more, of course, in at the end of the month. <laughs> That's wild, man. Uh, a, a few weeks, months ago, Microsoft announced Game Pass Core, which will be the replacement of Xbox Live. It's been weeks, months, some somewhere in that time frame. Uh, Xbox Live will be replaced with X, uh, with Game Pass Core uh, starting tomorrow, September 14th, actually. So, 36 games will be available to play on Xbox Series X, S, and 1. And uh, these will be a rotating list, of course. Uh, this is if you want to pay the, the, the shorter, the smaller fee. Uh, without paying for like Game Pass Ultimate, things like that. So, the list of games include 
Among Us, Astroneer, Celeste, Dead Cells, Descenders, Dishonored 2, Doom Eternal Standard Edition, Fable Anniversary, Fallout 4, Fallout 76, Firewatch, Forza Horizon 4 Standard Edition, Gang Beasts, Gears 5 Game of the Year Edition, Golf with Your Friends, Grounded, Halo 5 Guardians, Halo Wars 2, which you should all play, Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, Human Fall Flat, Inside, Limbo, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Overcooked 2, Payday 2, Crime Wave Edition, Power Wash Simulator, Psychonauts 2, Slay the Spire, Spirit Far Farewell Edition, Stardew Valley, State of Decay 2, Juggernaut Edition, Super Liminal, The Elder Scrolls Online, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, Unpacking, and Vampire Survivors. Um, It will cost $10 a month or $60 a year. And uh, Game Pass Core Library will be updated at least two or three times a year. The full library will be available with other Game Pass memberships as well. Um, But these will be the launch day games of Xbox Game Pass Core uh, starting tomorrow. So if you uh, are switching over from regular Xbox Live Gold or anything like that. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1 comes out on Friday, and it has been announced that crossplay has been delayed. It will not come at launch um, after uh, some other delays that hit development. So, um, like I said, Unity has already walked back some things, acknowledges confusion and frustration. Uh, but they are still not going to walk back totally the install fee plan. Um, they said that 90% of Unity customers will not be affected by the change. We'll see what happens ultimately. Yesterday, Apple held an event for their new devices, if you will. Uh, announced was the iPhone 15. And it will be getting AAA game support. So the i15 the i15 the Apple iPhone 15 Pro will support uh gaming uh for both console and PC style games. Um via the Wonderlust event, it will get the Resident Evil 4 remake, Resident Evil Village, Death Stranding, Assassin's Creed Mirage and others uh to be able to be played on the game which on the phone which will have ray tracing capabilities. Um that's wild. And it will run natively on iOS. So it will not be cloud streamed. It will not be uh, mobile only. It, it will be a full version of these games, including Assassin's Creed Mirage, which does come out next month. And uh, they will be available only on the iPhone 15 Pro. But we'll see, though, how it's going to affect battery life and things like that. Resident Evil Village, Resident Evil 4, Death Stranding are coming to the i15 iPhone 15 Pro and iPhone 15 Pro Max later this year. Assassin's Creed Mirage will be in the first half of next year um, on the phones. The Pro Class GPU is 20% faster, featuring a 6-core design with better peak performance over previous models. Fucking wild, man. Your phones are going to be able to play that now. Um... What is next? The final bit of gaming news 
that I have for you guys before we talk about Starfield. Stig Stig uh, uh, Asmussen will be leaving Electronic Arts and Respawn. Um, he was the game director on both Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor. Uh, and this is via Bloomberg. Um, this was an announcement from E8. It says, quote, after careful thought and consideration, Stig... Asmussen has decided to leave Respawn to pursue other adventures, and we wish him the best of luck. Veteran Respawn leaders will be stepping up to guide them as they continue their work on Star Wars Jedi Survivor, unquote. Um, he has been at Respawn Entertainment since 2014. Uh, before that, he worked at Sony Entertainment, Sony Interactive Entertainment, where he worked on God of War, including helming God of War 3. Um, hopefully this does not deter um, a potential third game in that series. But uh, interesting. Two major people leaving two major studios this month. Anywho, that's it for major gaming news. I do want to talk about uh, I do want to talk about Starfield. I, I was able to spend more time with it. Definitely having a lot more fun with it. I was able to get one of the ships that a lot of people have been talking about is a high-level ship to get kind of fairly easy if if uh, you know what you're looking for. Based on, And this this was off like TikToks and Reels that I saw. So I got a fairly good ship. Um, I've been progressing the story a lot more. Uh, things are getting a lot more uh, dedicated, right? I've gotten one of the, the abilities you get from, from the story. I don't want to divulge too much. And I uh, put about... 20 hours into the game so far, I want to say. Um, it, it opens up a lot more. Hell, I was walking around one planet for like two and a half hours. So that, that flies in the face of, oh, the planets are... The, I mean, they are, realistically. Uh, it sucks, though, if you don't... Um, if you don't, like, find a spot, you can't, like, fast travel f to it. So it's kind of a, a, a pain in the ass. To walk around some places if, if you don't. Um, oh, I put about 18 hours in. Just about. Um, it, it's, it's fun. I'm having a lot of fun. I like flying around in different places. Haven't done a whole lot of space combat yet. Um, I'm still kind of following the main story. Not a whole lot of side quests just yet. I kind of wanted to level up a little bit more. Get some better weapons. Things like that. Get more money. So... But 17 hours in, I've barely progressed the story, but I've done a lot of exploring on different planets around the galaxy, playing some side quests. Most of the side quests I've been doing, though, have been on New Atlantis, or around New Atlantis on, on the, the first planet, which is Alpha Centauri, um, but higher level, right? So it's it's been fun. I've gotten a lot more crew members. I think I have to get a bigger ship if I want to have more. So that's that's playing out currently. So, having a lot of fun with it. it. It is definitely worth a buy. 100%. Um, I'm not going to give it a rating just yet, just because I, based on everything I've seen, there's there's a lot more to do. Um, if I were to rate it, I would definitely give it an 8 as of right now. Uh, there's a lot of quirky Bethesda things I'm not super fan of, like becoming encumbered because you're carrying way too much stuff. It's not exactly easy to, like, put it up somewhere else uh, without dropping it or selling it. Um, there's not a lot of shops everywhere, so it's a little interesting for sure. Um, but uh, other than that, I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, it, 
I don't want to say I love it because I haven't given a lot of time to it. That could happen based on the story, things like that. But I'm 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 enjoying it very very much. I like it a lot. Uh, it is probably one of the better games I've played in quite a while, um, considering my game intake is not what it used to be. But Starfield, it's 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 so massive. It's daunting. It it's there's so much to do. And yet there isn't a lot to do, if that makes sense. I know it doesn't, but there, there's there's a lot going on in it, and and they've really they've really outdone themselves, um, based on people I've spoken to that have played that and other Bethesda games. I don't I don't have a frame of reference, realistically. Um, I didn't play Fallout three or four, I, or or you know the Oblivion. I didn't play Oblivion. I didn't play Skyrim. So. I, I don't have a super frame of reference for that, but I can compare it to other RPGs I've played, and it is daunting. It is large. It is huge. Um, there is a lot going on, and if you don't poke around, you will miss out, and that that's what I will say. Um, but that's it for gaming. Let's uh, let's talk about movie news and TV news, shall we? <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's head north on the five up to Hollywood, and uh, let's see what's going on. What's going on up in Hollywood? Realistically, <laughs> anyway, Disney has announced a Goosebumps revival show, and that will hit Disney Plus on Friday the thirteenth of October. Yes. We are having a Friday the 13th this October, which is ratcheting up the spookiness. It is ratcheting up the spookiness level, that's for dang sure. <laughs> I didn't know Goosebumps was coming back. Um, Jimmy Fallon is in the news for reasons other than being on his new podcast, Strike Force 5, with the other late night hosts. Uh, he is the next uh, TV host to be embroiled in a workplace toxicity accusations. Uh, several current and former staff members of The Tonight Show um, have spoken with the Rolling Stone, uh, and we have learned that Jimmy has apologized to all of his staff, current and former. Um, but uh, as it turns out that uh, it looks like he's been a, a toxic, abusive host uh, as well as a, a, yeah, I'm not sure. It was an in-depth story on Rolling Stone from two current and 14 former employees of The Tonight Show. Um, they they uh, uh, all said that there are good Jimmy days, bad Jimmy days, um, and has outbursts. Uh, it was so much that Jerry Seinfeld was named in an account where Jimmy like, lashed out at a cue card guy, and Jerry was like, hey, apologize. Jerry Seinfeld's like, no, that's not how things happened. Um, there, there's a lot of, of claims going back and forth, and he's been on The Tonight Show for quite a while now. Um, mental health issues arising from staff. There's, there's a big, um, there's a lot of things that are, are going on with, with that. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into it just because, again, it's from the Rolling Stone. 
Uh, Jimmy has issued an apology, though, saying, quote, It's embarrassing and I feel so bad. Sorry if I embarrassed you and your family and friends. Um, I feel so bad I can't even tell you. I want this show to be fun. It should be inclusive for everybody. It should be funny. It should be the best show, the best people, unquote. Um, not exactly a, a apology, per se, uh, but it is a step in the right direction, at least. Um, One Piece producers have said that if Netflix decides to renew the show for a second season, uh, the scripts have already been written. So everything is ready to go if Netflix decides to uh, add a second season of the live-action version of One Piece. Uh, The creator of Scream has uh, spoken out saying he wishes Nev Campbell will return to the franchise. She, of course, sat out the most recent Scream 6, citing a number of concerns, including pay. But it looks like he wants to figure out some way to get her back. Makes sense. I get it. She's, I mean, literally the face of the franchise other than Ghostface. Um, Ian McKellen has announced that he does not want to retire anytime soon, uh, saying that he, he'll keep working for as long as he is physically able and I am glad to hear that because I want more Ian McKellen in my life. Makes sense. And speaking of Ian McKellen, of course, famously played Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit trilogies. But on the flip side of that, Warner Brothers CEO David Zaslav said that uh, they're not using their biggest properties enough uh, via the rap. Zaslav was at the Goldman Sachs Communicopia and Technology Conference in September, on September 6th uh, to talk about WB Discovery, of course. And he said, quote, One of the real strengths of Warner Brothers is we talk about the great IP that Warner Brothers owns. But for us, the challenge is that our content, our great IP, Harry Potter, DC, Lord of the Rings, that content has been underused. We haven't done anything with Harry Potter for more than a decade. We haven't done anything with Lord of the Rings. We think... There's a lot of shareholder value in attaching a 10-year DC, a real plan around DC, bringing Harry Potter back to HBO for 10 consecutive years, doing multiple movies of Lord of the Rings. When you put those franchises in, it's the best-performing studio in the world. We need to deploy our best capital, and we need to do it with the best creative people in the world, unquote. All right. First off, you did the uh, uh, Fantastic Beasts trilogy, so that's Harry Potter, and that's recent. I don't know where he has, he gets not in 10 years. Um, here's the other problem. You don't want to go overboard with the content, because look at what's happening with Marvel and Star Wars, right? You're having a, a backlash against the amount of content, against the quality of it. Um, and you don't also don't want to tarnish great reputations. DC's different, because... Obviously, you can come in and reboot things every few years. You don't want to do that either because it can cause confusion, which we're already seeing with the DCEU and the DCU and things like that. Um, But you don't want to tarnish a brand like Harry Potter, like Lord of the Rings. You don't want to overindulge. So when he says underused, I just see cash grab. And that doesn't equal quality content that fans will engage with and love and cherish for decades like they will the originals, right? So, I, I don't like David Zaslav. I think he's a, a terrible leader for, for Warner Brothers. Um, there's plenty of people in Hollywood that don't have his idiotic mindset. Um, 
you guys know I'm not a fan of his. I've complained about him at length on this podcast before. So I'm not going to waste any more breath on it, to be honest. It's frustrating. Um, Disney and Hulu will be getting a price hike in the near future. So the price raising was announced by Disney CEO Bob Iger last month during last month's earning call. So they just recently got notifications from Hulu. So on October 12th, the ad-free price of Disney Plus will go from 10.99 to 13.99. Hulu's ad-free plan going to 14.99 a month to 17.99 a month. And then the ad-supported tiers of Hulu and Disney Plus, which are both at 7.99 will stay the same. Um, Hulu's live TV will go from 69.99 to 76.99 ad-free going from 82 to 89. Um, here's my confusion. They've yet to say anything about the um, the bundle. Like what's what's going on with that bundle? Um, people are pissed. People are saying, like, you're not supporting the strike, but you're going to raise the prices and you're not paying them. Where's the money going, right? Um, so, yeah, I saw a lot of people like, we're not getting new content and you're jacking up prices. A lot of other ones have been raising prices. I just want to know what's going on with the bundle. They've yet to say anything about the Disney plus Hulu plus ESPN bundle. What What's going on with that price? Huh? Is that going up? <laughs> That's what I have. I guess they're leaving that one the same. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, just be prepared. Hulu's going up. Your Disney Plus is going up. George Romero, the man behind Night of the Living Dead, Day of the, Living, Day of the Dead, uh, things like that, has announced that... Uh, well, he hasn't announced, obviously... But Twilight of the Dead, the final script in his Living Dead film franchise, um, and it was co-written by him, has found a director in Brad Anderson. Uh, Roundtable Entertainment, the production company behind Twilight of the Dead, will, um, as announced by The Hollywood Reporter, have announced that he will be the director. It will be the seventh and final chapter of the Dead series. He's directed movies like... Session 9, um, The Machinist, and The Call. Um, Joe Kettner, Robert Lucas, and Paolo Zelotti wrote the script from the treatment by Romero and Zelotti. And uh, like I said, that will um, continue the story. Obviously, this started with 1968's Night of the Living Dead, um, one of the first zombie movies. So... It uh, It's interesting to see that's finally happening. The most recent film was Survival of the Dead in 2009. And uh, Romero was planning to direct it before he died in 2017. And uh, in 2021, his widow had met with directors to try and take on the story. But uh, this will be the final film in the, the Dead, Day of the Dead, Living Dead, however you want to call it. Series, which I'm pretty sure Day of the Dead is part of. Let me take a look. The Day of the Dead. Yeah, George A. Romero. So, continuation of Night of the Living Dead. Um, that's funny. 
what's the what was that movie that Zack Snyder did? Oh, I guess it wasn't Day of the Dead. Oh, that's Dawn of the Dead, which uh, what is that? Oh no, that that was a remake of George Romero. Oh, okay, so it's it's uh, Dawn of the Dead. Uh, it's um, it's part of his his zombie movies. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's uh, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead. Survival of the Dead, and now Twilight of the Dead. So, that's what's happening. We also learned that The Boy and the Heron might not actually be Miyazaki's last film, as he has decided to uh, <laughs> unretire again. And you're wondering, again, yes, this is not the first time. This is probably going to be the last time he unretires, because he is getting old, so he'll probably just keep working until the end. But... He has decided to unretire again uh, and keep working on films. It's, it's obviously there's longer and longer gaps between the movies he makes, uh, but apparently working on the Boy and the Heron uh, has gotten him to want to keep making movies, and uh, <laughs> he's he's getting back into it, I guess, which I'm fine with. I mean, a lot of people uh, a lot of people like him. Um, and I mean, a lot of people, of course, his movies are amazing, but, uh, it will not be his last film with potentially might not be his last film with studio Ghibli. We'll, we'll see. So who knows? Anyway, moving on Two talk shows will be moving ahead with, uh, coming back to TV without writers, uh, recently announced, uh, technically scab work, technically not. Uh, both the Drew Barrymore show and Late Night, or the Bill Maher, what's Bill Maher's show, uh, will be returning to the air um, without writers. Real time with Bill Maher. I don't know why I couldn't remember that. But both shows will be returning to air without writers, which could uh, become a problem, especially for Bill Maher. Um, so just be aware of that if you want to support them still. A lot of things going on. Uh, Sean Levy was being interviewed recently and was also given an award recently. couple things. He was working on his Star Wars film before the strike happened, but right now it is on hold uh, until the strike is resolved. He was getting it ready, produce, writing it, or I'm not entirely sure. Uh, his friend Taika Waititi also made a joke about his Star Wars movie that he either said he didn't write it or he hasn't been able to. I don't know. I don't ever believe anything that comes out of his mouth. Taika likes to joke a lot. Uh, Sean Levy, though, also said that he is comparing Deadpool 3 to a violent version of planes, trains, and automobiles, and Deadpool is likened to John Candy's character. So take that and make of it what you will, but that sounds great, if you ask me. Tim Burton has been vocal as of late saying that uh, Beetlejuice 2 was pretty much almost done before the strike, but uh, obviously had to shut down. But, mainly, he's speaking out against AI. Um, speaking with The Independent, and uh, he had to say about AI art, quote, what does it 
what it does is it sucks something from you. It takes something from your soul or psyche that that is very disturbing, especially if it has to do with you. It's like a robot taking your humanity, your soul. They had AI do my versions of Disney characters. I can't describe the feeling it gives you. It reminded me of when other cultures say, don't take my picture because it is taking away your soul. Unquote. Referencing a, a recently BuzzFeed article who has leaned heavily, heavily into AI shit. And I'm not, um, I'm not a huge fan of it because they're, they're playing like both sides of the, um, the, the coin and it it's very it, it's very not great um, they they talk about the issues with AI but then they'll go and do like a this AR AI thing movies if they were all Disney movies if they were done by Tim Burton or you know AI states as people and things like this and it's like you you need to stop over there Um BuzzFeed, like they, they fired their staff and just did all AI. Um, he did admit that some of them were good, but, but he, he followed up with quote, we're finally witnessing the death of art and culture. Oh, that was a commenter, excuse me, but he still doesn't like, um, he still doesn't like AR, AR, AI art use, um, and things like that. So it, it's, it's, I agree with, with him. I'm not a huge fan of AI art. Yes, I've tried doing stuff, but I try to do... When I have used it, I try to make it more vague and not necessarily reference a particular person um, or their particular style, but like a um, like impressionist or things like that, post-impressionist, modern art. I try to use like terms about a whole subgenre, era, things like that. I don't like to use particular people. Um, I did use Mies van der Rohe once, but that's because I was trying to do a portrait of a character. I don't like it. They don't come out perfect. It is, it is strange. Um, I've used chat GPT for things, but that was more to craft the background for one of my D and D characters. So it, it's something I somewhat use for things. I, I just, I know what it can do and I know what it, what it's also capable of. But at the same time, I know that it's not really creating new it's just kind of regurgitating existing. It's it's also why both SAG-AFTRA and the WGA are on strike because of AI. So let's let's always take that into account. And I, it's it's obvious that that Tim is is siding with them. Um, we've learned via a leak when the final, 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 final episode of Attack on Titan will air, as it split its final season into like four parts at this point. But allegedly, on Saturday, November 4th, the actual last episode of Attack on Titan will air. Uh, Disney Plus has revealed that The Little Mermaid was its largest premiere on the platform since last year's Hocus Pocus 2, with several million viewers. I think it was 6 million, I think it said. Uh, they also announced a ESPN crossover with Toy Story to air on Disney Plus. It will be a fully animated render of, uh, in Toy Story land, or Toy Story, the Toy Story universe, of the Jaguars-Falcons game. Um, it will premiere on Disney Plus, um, what is this? It's called Toy Story Fun Day Football, 
and it will be an animated version of this Sunday's Jaguars-Falcons game. It will be a first-of-its-kind NFL presentation, they're calling it. Um, Each player will have, quote, each Falcon and Jaguar player will have animated representation on traditional-looking field, catered to the Toy Story setting, unquote. Um, That is crazy. Next-gen stats from NFL will be used in tracking it. Um, So, okay, so the game takes place on October 1st in London, um, and an alternative broadcast will be aired on Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, but it will look as if it's animated in real time from Andy's room. Um, Buzz, Woody, Bullseye, Bunny, Ducky, Forky, Jesse, Rex, Slinky Dog, and the Green Aliens will be on the sidelines. Wait a minute, how did how did Forky get to Andy's room? Anyway, um, this is very similar in what Nickelodeon does with their um, with their games. Um, uh, sorry, Nickelodeon does with NFL games where they'll air like a kids version. Uh, even so much as Patrick Starr was commenting on a game last year in real time. So that will be October 1st at 6.30 a.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific, uh, because the game is being broadcast from London. Uh, Murder, She Wrote is getting a film adaptation. Uh, it will be in the works from the team behind uh, the Game Stonk movie. Uh, the Crow reboot, which, yes, they're rebooting The Crow, um, is being called, so in a producer with Deadline, producer Sam Pressman, it's not your typical comic book movie. He said, quote, we're finally at a point where we can really explore those other avenues because it's such a unique property and that is not a studio film. It's not a Marvel film. It's kind of an anti-Marvel film. I have the highest hopes for that, and I really love what Molly Hassel has done in pushing it up the hill, and Rupert Sanders is such a visionary, unquote. It will star Bill Skarsgård uh, as the titular um, as the titular crow, uh, and it will be directed by Rupert Sanders. Um, there's been this has been in the works for quite a long time. The original film, which came out in 1994, was famous for being uh, the last film of Brandon Lee, the son of Bruce Lee. He was shot during the filming of a movie by a something happened with the gun and the blank and it, it shot and killed him. Um, but there's been a lot of reboots. Uh, there was a sequel released in 1996 and two straight to DVD sequels in 2000, 2005, but this will be a full on reboot. Like I said, with Bill Skarsgård taking over, uh, famous for playing Pennywise, of course, but we'll see. We'll see if this actually gets made. Um, Alan Moore, the outspoken comic book writer, and uh, he didn't do the artwork, but Alan Moore, uh, famous for not liking any adaptation of his work, originally used to give the proceeds um, or the the, the um, royalties from from like what they would pay for adapting his work. Uh, he used to have that given to like the writers and stuff for the adaptations. He's completely changed his mind, uh, saying he wishes for that money to go to Black Lives Matter moving forward. So he doesn't like when 
people adapt his work. He doesn't like people that adapt his work. He's a crotchety old man, if you ask me. Uh, but, but, this is a good cause. Uh, Bad Bunny has been announced. Will no longer star in the El Muerto Spider-Man Sony spinoff film. Uh, the film is still apparently in the works, but Bad Bunny is no longer attached. And then, uh, before we talk about Ahsoka, I do want to talk about our biggest story in relation to Hollywood. And that has to do with uh, the visual effects artists from Marvel have unanimously voted to unionize. So, they have joined the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, or IATSE. Uh, so last the last few weeks we've talked about how there's unionization talk has increased um, and 50 members from Marvel Studios filed for a union election with the NLRB, the National Labor Relations Board, um, but the unionization vote was announced today, earlier today, uh, by IATSE and it looks like all votes were counted. And all were in favor of unionizing. None went against. Um, this is the first time a in-house VFX worker group has ever unionized. An official quote from IATSE says, quote, Today, VFF workers at Marvel Studios spoke with a unanimous collective voice demanding fair pay for the hours they work, health care, a safe and sustainable working environment, and respect for the work they do. There could be no stronger statement highlighting the overwhelming need for us to continue our work and bring union protections and standards to all VFX workers across the industry. And there could be no stronger example of the encourage and solidarity of these workers than each and every one of them declaring union yes, unquote. Uh, and that is from IATSE VFX organizer Mark Patch in a statement. So this is wild. All of them. All of them from in-house at Marvel voted to unionize. Uh, obviously, this goes in line with what's going on with the strikes, and the studios hopefully will take notice. Um, that is it for standard movie news. I do want to talk about Ahsoka before we talk about 80s teen movies. Ahsoka just continues to fire, and I say this a lot, on all cylinders. And when I say that, I legitimately mean it. Ahsoka is the closest thing to an actual Disney, sorry, Disney, an actual Star Wars movie uh, since Rise of the Skywalker. Dave Filoni is, is, I saw a great meme, Dave Filoni is cooking. The man is cooking. Last week's cliffhanger reveal showed Ahsoka in the world between worlds, speaking with Anakin. This week was an Anakin-heavy episode with Hayden Christensen returning as Anakin. So much so that we even got a live action version of young Ahsoka. We got Hayden Christensen in the armored Anakin Skywalker outfit from the Clone Wars animated show. And this is, I repeat, this is a first. Phase one clone troopers in live action. You're like, Nick, they were in live action in Attack of the Clones. No, 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 no. They were all CGI. What I mean is actors, stunt performers, in physical Phase 1 clone trooper outfits. Never been seen before. Never. And, and the best part, Captain Rex in live action in both his Phase 1 and Phase 2 arc 
Trooper armor. Voiced by Tamura. 100% voiced by Tamura. Oh my god. I literally would be shocked if we don't get a live action Rex, old Rex, at some point in Ahsoka. Um, it sucks that Thrawn still hasn't shown up and there's only three episodes left. But, whew. Then we got a great lightsaber battle between Forced Ghost Anakin and Ahsoka. And it, it, it's, oh god, dude, it, it's so good. It is so, so good. Ahsoka has just been perfect. Damn near perfect. And and Dave Filoni directed that episode. Uh, and it, it, it just shows that Ahsoka is just a part of the Skywalker family as everyone else. Um, I am, I am just uh, amazed at what, what they've, what they've pulled off with it. And I am enjoying so much of it. I, I can't wait to see what happens with the next few episodes. Just the fact, oh, and they do like a live action version of the battle of man, the siege of Mandalore with Ahsoka and like Maul's, Mandalorians. Obviously, Maul doesn't appear, but like a live-action version of a Mandalorian in a Maul helmet. Oh my god, dude. Spoilers, I know, but you need to watch this episode. And it it will shut up a lot of the fanboys that thought the world between worlds would would reset things in alternate universes and timelines. No. Ahsoka's there, she doesn't go in anywhere, and Force Ghost, Anakin's Force Ghost is there. Telling her to like think and focus about what he taught her and stuff like that. It is so damn good. And uh, it, like I said, it sucks that we still haven't seen Thrawn. I fully expect Thrawn to show up next week. Um, because at the end of this episode, Ahsoka goes with the Pergil, the, the hyperspace whales, to the galaxy, wherever Thrawn went and Sabine went on the Eye of Scion to where Thrawn and uh, presumably Ezra are. So, (laughs) I am such a happy camper right now. And honestly, this probably just means that Thrawn will be in Mando Season 4, potentially, or that movie that that Dave Filoni is going to make. Oh God, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so damn good. You don't even know. People, you are not prepared for Thrawn. I will say that. I'm also going to say, if you have not watched Rebels of the Clone Wars, you really need to. Because it, it's it's going to be a little confusing um, with, with, with what's going to happen. Uh, or around some of the characters. So, oh my god. So damn good. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about uh, my favorite '80s teen movies uh, before we end for the day. All right. So, due to the ongoing strikes. And uh, in showing solidarity with them, I've been talking about some of my favorite old movies. So we're continuing again in the 80s. Uh, This week we're going to do my favorite 80s teen movies. uh, As we were 
mentioning earlier. So I've done action, comedy, sci-fi, animated. I've got a few more weeks of, of some 80s movies left before we move up to the 90s. Um, but teen movies, obviously these could be comedy, serious, things like that. Um, as always, we're going to start at number 10. Weird Science, I have at number 10, released August 2nd, 1985. It's a little lower on my list, just because I haven't seen it, watched it in quite some time. Um, obviously, this song is very famous. Um, Weird Science. I do kind of want to go... Robert Downey Jr.'s in that movie? Anyway, I like these funny 80 movies. I haven't seen it, like I said, in quite a while. Probably do need to go back and rewatch it. Um... But I do enjoy it. It's very funny. Two college kids create, like, the ultimate woman with a computer. Hijinks ensue. Typical 80s. <laughs> um, number nine, Teen Wolf, the original Teen Wolf, starring Michael J. Fox, uh, released August 23rd, 1985. Michael J. Fox plays uh, a young teen who finds out he's a werewolf and uses his powers to become a very successful teenager in sports girls women things like that another movie i haven't watched in a while but very fun number eight a movie that uh might be on the chopping block as of late per modern societal standards uh that is revenge of the nerds <laughs> i can't do that laugh uh released july 20th 1984 talks about a bunch of nerds who go into college can't join fraternities or Look down upon, uh, create their own fraternity. There are some very date rapey scenes in the film, so hence the um, not very looked well upon by today's standards. Makes sense. Shouldn't have been really acceptable back then either. Um, but it spawned a franchise, made several movies. It is uh, it's funny. There's parts that are funny. Obviously, it's typical nerd shtick of the '80s, where the nerds were, you know. High-waisted pants, tucked in, pocket protectors, glasses with tape, things like that. Um, stereotypical nerd stuff. It, it, it doesn't really just make sense in general anymore. But I still enjoy parts of it. It is funny. Number seven, more serious here. Dead Poet Society, released June 2nd, 1989. Oh, Captain, My Captain. Uh, the film stars several uh, people that would go on to uh, star in many films for the future. Of course, Robin Williams famously portrayed the professor, John Keating. Uh, it's at like a secondary school, a boys' school. Uh, Ethan Hawke, Robert Sean Leonard, who of course would go on to star in House years later. Um, a lot of people in this movie um, deals with love, suicide, um, so many different things um, at a preparatory school, right? An all-male school in the in the 50s. You know, seize the day, carpe diem. Um, it, it's it's such a great movie, and I really recommend a lot of you watch it, especially if if you have never seen it before, or if you have a son who's going into high school, things like that. Dead Poet Society is a is a great coming of age tale. Um, and a great teen movie. Even though it's a drama, it is it is a great teen movie. Uh, number six, War Games, June third, nineteen eighty three. Matthew Broderick plays a nerd, technically, uh, who somehow finds a way to hack into the Pentagon or like the 
system that's used to simulate war games uh, in the United States and ultimately makes the world on the puts the world on the brink of nuclear annihilation. The war games everyone thinks are real and it's just a simulation of nukes being shot off and it's a great movie. It's a great fun action like war movie without being really a war movie. Number five, Real Genius, a movie I love. Uh, used to watch it all the time when it was on HBO. Released August 7th, 1985. And uh, tells the story of a, a uber smart kid who gets out of high school early, goes to college. Val Kilmer's in it. Um, their professor ends up stealing their laser work. But then they get him back by using the laser to ignite the largest bushel of popcorn in his home. Um, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Number four, the one of the ultimate teen movies from the 80s, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, released August 13th, 1982. Spicoli is one word. There are so many people in this movie as well. Um, Judge Reinhold's in it too. Uh, obviously, Sean Penn, famous for playing Spicoli in the film. Um coming-of-age story for several high schoolers as they brace with life, what their life might be like as they get older. Number three, the next quintessential teen movie, The Breakfast Club, John Hughes' classic, released February 7th, 1985, telling the story of several students as they are forced to go to Saturday school uh, and forced to sit in a library and a very unlikely group of people that you would never expect to become friends obviously become friends at the end of the day um, as they are forced together as they interact with the principal of the school. Uh, the Breakfast Club is a great, great movie, uh, especially from the late, great John Hughes. At number two, another John Hughes film, another Matthew Broderick film, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, released June 11th, 1986. Bueller. 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 Tells the story of Ferris Bueller as he stays home sick from school, gets his girlfriend and best friend to ditch as they spend the day driving around and enjoying Chicago, which many people have since found out that it's nearly impossible to partake in their day's events in one day. Um... I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off, man. Such a great movie. But my number one teen movie is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Party on, dudes. Released February 17th, 1989. Bill and Ted need help researching for their history project. They meet Rufus, take the telephone booth through history, collect some of history's greatest minds, including Abe Lincoln and Genghis Khan, and rock their history report. Party on, dudes. And uh, Wild Stallions. I love Bill and Ted. I love all those movies. Yes, it's an ultimate stoner movie, and I'm not even a stoner. Uh, I love the Bill and Ted movies. So Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is my number one 80s teen movie, released damn near the end of the 80s. But... Those are my 80s teen movies, Weird Science, Teen Wolf, Revenge of the Nerds, Dead Poet Society, War Games, Real Genius, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, The Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure.
That is it for Nixner News. Thank you guys for listening week in, week out. I know the episodes have been getting a little longer lately uh, just because of all the things we've been talking about. But thank you guys for sticking it out week in, week out. Uh, And uh, don't forget, check out the website, follow us on social media, and I will catch you guys on the flip side. This has been a production of Nixner News. Please do not use without implicit faxed permission. <laughs>